this morning, turn with me back to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Old Testament. The book of Deuteronomy is where we've been for the last several weeks. Uh, We're going to be in chapter 5 again today. And this morning, we're continuing our end of summer series that we've been calling Give Me a Break. And uh, this morning, uh, what, what, what we've been doing in this series, though, basically over these past several weeks is talking about how we can find a, a, a sense of relaxation, uh, a sense of renewal and rest uh, in God right here, right now. Uh, we've, we've been talking about uh, how, how many of you uh, have taken a break this summer, and that's all good. We're glad that some of you got to take a vacation and maybe go and find some refreshment, renewal, relaxation in your lives. But uh, we kind of find ourselves getting back into the groove of, of uh, routine uh, with school starting back often. Uh, but what we've been kind of focusing on is, is in the fact that, that through God, we can find refreshing, we can find renewal, we can find relaxation uh, in God and what he has for us right here and right now. We don't have to spend any money. We don't have to go anywhere. We don't have to take a trip. Uh, we can enjoy that and what God has for us right now. And so this entire series Uh, has been based on the Ten Commandments of the Bible. These Ten Commandments that God uh, basically etched in stone 3,500 years ago have have kind of been uh, the, uh, the, the guidelines, the framework for governments and societies for the past several thousand years, and they, they still stand today. They're still good today. Uh, they're still important to us uh, today. And, and so what we did is we started this series, and I thought, you know, I'm going to take some of the Ten Commandments, uh, some of the ones that will that, be easy, and, and, and we'll do a four- or five-week series. And, and I shared with you, God really began to convict me about that because it was like, well, which ones are you going to leave out? You know, which, which of these 10 are, are you not going to talk about or you don't feel comfortable talking about? And so we kind of got those out of the way the last couple of weeks. Uh, if, if you missed, we talked about murder and, and we've talked about adultery and we've talked about some of the hard things. But the, the most important thing is, is this, is, is, you know, we've been learning that these 10 commandments are are just as relevant to us in our lives today as they were to Moses and the Israelites, you know, back thousands of years ago. And they're so practical and life-changing that we've learned, you know, the Ten Commandments aren't really something that we have to do. They aren't a list of rules that we have to follow. It's not something that we have to do, but there's something that we get to do to be able to live within the God, the, the blessings that God has for us in our lives. There's something that we get to experience. We often look at the commandments as something negative, but what we've been doing over these past several weeks and, and will over the next couple of weeks is to look at them from a, a positive side, a positive standpoint of, of what God has for us in it that is good if we stay within the guidelines that he's, he's laid before us. And we've talked about each week that these commandments are, are, are something that, that we don't just have to check off to earn God's love. We already have God's love. I mean, he loved us so much that he sent his son to die on, on the cross for our sins. We don't have to earn it. He already loved us, right? And, and so this isn't something we have to do to be able to earn it. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing that you can do to make God love you any le- less, and we can rest 
in that. We can find rest in the fact that God loves us. And so today we're looking at the eighth commandment, pretty straightforward, pretty simple. Deuteronomy uh, chapter five and verse 19, the eighth commandment is this, you must not steal. Now, again, like some of, some of the ones we've looked at the past few weeks, this is pretty st- straightforward. I mean, it, it, it's just, you know, pretty easy to understand that we're not supposed to take something that belongs to someone else, right? We're not supposed to take something that, that belongs to someone else and then make it, make it ours, and I was reminded of this uh, this past week, something that happened in our church several several years ago in our church, and it was actually something that, that Daniel found in a closet uh, this past week. But several years ago, probably 15 years ago, I don't even know how long it's been, been a long, long time, about 15 years ago, at one time for several years, we had a food pantry in our church. We had a gentleman in our church that was a retired pastor. And uh, he, he helped us start a food pantry, and it, it was a lot of work, a lot of ministry through that, uh, some, some really good days in that food pantry. But we kept all the food, uh, kind of the last several years of that, we kept all the food located in an old part of our sanctuary that we kept locked up. And we locked the doors uh, basically just so, you know, no one would be tempted to go in and, and, and take any of the food. But anyway, we noticed that some of the food was, had started coming up missing. And we noticed that it was some of the candy, some of the sweets, the hostess, you know, that kind of stuff uh, we noticed was coming up missing. Well, one day I opened a closet door that hardly didn't ever get used for anything. Some of you that remember uh, years and years and years and years and years ago when we were in the old sanctuary, it was the old sound booth. And it was just, it's a, just a little bitty hole in the wall. But anyway, I opened the door to go in there, and I, I looked down, and there was an open bag of Hershey's candy in there. And then, uh, I, you know, I looked around a little more, and there was all these empty raptor, wrappers. There were, you know, hostess wrappers, candy wrappers, and, and, and all of that. And so, you know, I began to investigate to try to figure out, you know, uh, who, the, who the culprit was. I, I assumed that it was probably Brother Jim, but I wasn't sure. Uh, Brother Jim was our pastor at the time. Uh, but anyway, so I, I began to look, and I went, and I found in the food pantry there was a little bitty hole, a little bitty place that someone could actually come in. And, and so I thought, well, you know, it, it's not a very big person. It's got to be a pretty small person, so it must be, it's either a kid or Sandy Pittman. And so, it, you know, it was, it was pretty easy, and I had a pretty good idea. I had a pretty good idea of, of who it was. And so what I did was is I, I typed out this note, and I let, Daniel found this in the closet this week. This 15 years ago, I kid you not. If you're reading this, you're probably looking for Hershey Kisses. They aren't here. They're back in the food pantry where they belong. The same place they were when you entered a lock area and took them. That would be called breaking and entering. I've also cleaned up your pile of trash and remaining three musketeer bars in the corner. Come see me. We need to talk. If not, I will have this conversation with your parents. And so needless to say, our thieving problem came to a halt, right? Uh, and so Daniel found the note this week and we had a big laugh about it. I said, how ironic I'm talking about stealing, uh, this week. But you know, that was really kind of a minor deal. We see kids do stuff like that all the time and they just have to learn. They have to be taught. Some of you, 
uh, have been there and done that. But, but, you know, some of you have had things stolen from you that was a much bigger deal than just a little candy uh, that came up missing. A couple shared with me a few weeks ago about how, uh, you know, their home had been broken into recently just right here in the area. And someone had broke into their home and taken some of their, their personal uh, belongings. And, and when something like that happens, it's a big deal, right? It, it, it's not, it's not a, a piece of candy. It's a big deal. It's a serious situation. And there's cause for alarm. And it creates alarm uh, in our lives, in our families, and in our community. And what we learn here is, is that God also takes this very seriously, right? Yes, this is a big deal. And he says... You must not steal. Now, there's a couple things here about this commandment, and the first is this. I believe that this commandment, yes, speaks to material things, but also it speaks to non-material things, right? And, and so on one hand, God's saying, I, I don't want you to take someone's wallet. I, I don't want you to take someone's purse. You know, I don't want you to steal someone's car, material things. I think that's pretty straightforward. We all have common sense enough to know that, that that's what it's talking about. But I don't think he's just talking about material things here. I believe this also includes non-material things that we steal from people and we take from people whether we intend to or not. And so, for example, uh, it's quite possible that we could steal someone's dignity, okay? So how, how do we do that? Well, you know, whether, whether we, we mean to or not, if we humiliate someone, especially if we do it in a public setting, if we do it in front of other people, that steals from them. That, that steals from them, that robs them of, uh, of one of the most important things that they have in their life, and that's their dignity or their reputation, you know, and so if we're not careful, if we don't pay close attention, if we're not careful whether we mean to or not, through our words, we can rob someone of some hope. Through our words, we can steal someone's dreams. We can steal, you know, someone's joy out of their, their life if we're not careful. And so when we think about this commandment, we can't just focus on the material side of it, the candy, the money, you know, th those kinds of things, but we also must look at the non-material side of it. And, and so, you know, here's something else. When you look at this commandment, I, I think that you can see that it encompasses a lot of the other commandments that we've already looked at. And, and a couple that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. Think about it. We saw in the commandment of, of do not murder, in a sense, this is very similar. Do not steal someone's life. Right? Do not take someone's life because it's not yours. Don't steal them of that. Don't rob them of that. In the commandment that we looked at of adultery. And for those of all of you that were watching as I was going down the commandments, and I got to last week, and you didn't come last week because you said, he's going to preach on adultery. Yes, I did. And it wasn't what you thought it was going to be. And so I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. Whether you're married or not, it's relevant. Okay, and so I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it because some of you stayed home because you didn't think it was going to apply to you, all right? And so I just want you to go back. But in the same sense, in the commandment of adultery, well, what's that all about? Well, it's about stealing either physical or emotionally. It's stealing someone else's wife or husband, 
Basically taking something that is not yours, whether that be in a physical sense or an emotional sense. Taking something that is not yours and making it your own. And so we'll also see over the next couple of weeks how this commandment also relates to the next two that we're going to be looking at. So really, if we just lived within the boundaries of this command right here, if we just lived within the boundaries of, of this, you know, thou shalt not steal, by default, I believe that we would be living within the guidelines of many of the commandments that we've already looked at. And so here's why I believe this command is so important for us. And I believe uh, this is why God, uh, you know, puts such an emphasis on this. Because here's the deal. When something is stolen from us, the value of what was stolen is just a small part of what is actually lost. And I want you to think about that a minute. The value of what was stolen is just a fraction of what is ultimately lost. We can kind of think about it like this. You think about someone, you know, who walks in to, to Walmarts and they, and I say that on purpose. Somebody asked me, do you not know it's Walmart? And I'm like, yes, if you've been here for several years, you would know my grandmother called it Walmarts. And so I just do it out of kind of a tip of the hat to her and as kind of a joke to those of you who still call it Walmarts because it's not Walmarts, it's Walmart. But let's say someone walks into Walmart and they take a soda. All right, they, they shoplift a soda, they, they carry it out without paying for it. You know, what is that worth? About a buck fifty for a soda, right? But what does Walmart have to do? All right, because of that, what does Walmart have to do? Well, they have to put in uh, all of these security cameras all over the place, you know, so they can see every aisle, every angle, every door, you know, all this. They put in all these cameras to prevent it from happening. They have to hire someone or multiple people to watch these cameras. Oftentimes in stores, they will have security people out on the floor walking around. Sometimes security people will be located at the doors on the way out. They have to put in these scanners that you have to walk through on your way out the door to make sure that you aren't taking something that you didn't pay for. Okay, so who pays for all of that? Huh? The, the store doesn't really, you know, pay for it because, you know, how they recover the cost of, of all of that. How, how do they recover that cost? Well, they raise their prices on what they're selling in order to be able to, to compensate for that and make up for that. So who pays for it? We all pay for it. The thief doesn't pay for it. We all pay for it. It's why so many of us, you know, uh, stealing is, is something that, that not only just affects the victim, but it actually impacts, uh, you know, it has a greater ripple effect and it, it impacts so many other people and it can also affect a, a community in one way or another. It's, so, it's why so many of us have locks on our doors, right? It, it's why so many of us have security systems in our home now. We have video cameras in our, in our homes. We have, we have doorbells now that can see you and talk to you, right? And we have all these things. We have, we have uh, pin numbers on our debit cards. We have chips in our, in our credit cards, right? And, and, and we have passwords on our computers. We have all these things in place. 
And if you think about all the different aspects of our lives and the way that we live our lives, we go to great lengths, do we not, to prevent theft. We go to great lengths to prevent uh, theft in our lives because we all understand this. If there are no guards, if there is no protection, if there is no security, then theft would be rampant in our community, would it not? Uh, it, it would be. Uh, and, you know, I read recently, Forbes magazine recently said that theft in the United States is a $600 billion issue annually. $600 billion a year in the United States. So this is a huge problem in our culture today, wouldn't you say? It's a huge problem today. And if we're not careful, we'll look at this and go, you know what, that's a bad problem out there. That, that, that's a really, really bad problem out there. But, but maybe, just maybe, we shouldn't let ourselves off the hook quite so fast. Because I, I think for all of us, including myself, that we have all been guilty We've all found ourselves probably violating this commandment at some point or time on our journey. For example, and just throwing this out there, and I don't know anyone that does this, and I'm sure there's no one in this sanctified church that would do this, but if we ever, if we ever use someone else's Netflix login to watch a, a movie, maybe Eighth Commandment violation. Now, that was kind of a, <laughs> y'all's laugh was kind of, maybe y'all aren't as sanctified as I thought. If we've ever used someone else's Amazon Prime account, just throwing it out there, we're getting a service that we didn't pay for. Eighth commandment. Y'all giggling. If we've ever fudged a little bit on our expense report, Eighth Commandment. I got some help down here on the front row, which I often have. If we ever have not told the whole truth, maybe on our tax return forms, Eighth Commandment. Hey, I'm not here trying to shame anybody or make you feel guilty, all right? The bottom line is, this puts us all on the same playing field. That's what I'm saying. We can't just say this is a problem out there because often what we'll find and what God wants to speak to is it's not a problem out there. A lot of times it's a problem in here. And so... We all have some skin in the game when it comes to this, and we just can't look at this and go, this is not a problem that I have because it is often a problem that we do have if we take a close look. And like with many of the other commandments that we've looked at, it's important that we take a look at our own heart. It all comes down to being a heart issue, to take a look at what's behind the behavior that we see play out uh, sometimes in the context of our world and our community. So it all begins with the heart. And so, so as we think about what's behind all of this, what's actually behind 
uh, theft and what's behind stealing and what's behind people taking things who uh, it isn't rightly theirs and, and non-material or material. As we think about what's behind all that, I, I would say that there's one of two things that's taking place uh, in the heart. And it's one of these two things or maybe both. It's either need or it's greed. One of those two things. Sometimes need literally drives people to steal. And if you've ever been to a third world country, you've probably seen this or, or experienced this. But, but the feeling is that the need is so great that there's just no other alternative. Right? Sometimes people will get caught uh, uh, shoplifting food. And, and, and literally, it is just because they're hungry. They wanted something to eat. They went into survival mode. And, and, and so they, they took something. But here's the deal. Even in the cases of need, it never justifies stealing. It, it never justifies stealing. And, and, and you know, just for an example, uh, let, let me kind of say it like this. If for some reason, for whatever reason, I fell on some really hard times and I found myself in a situation to where I had a great need, whether it was hunger or, or financial or, or whatever it may be, but I, I had a, a great need. Uh, some of you I, I would consider to be good friends and, and acquaintances and we have a good relationship. And, and I would say, you know, if I were to express my need to you and ask for some help, whether you were able to meet that need or not, if I asked you, you would probably try to help me, right? You would probably try to give me some assistance or find me some assistance. But if I had a need and, and I didn't ask and, and I just, you know, I, I took what I felt like I needed from you without asking, then you probably wouldn't be willing to help me at all after that, would you? That, that, would, that would change the whole uh, uh, picture. That would change everything. So need never justifies the action uh, of stealing. But I think for most people, when it comes to this particular issue that we're talking about this morning, it's not driven by need, but it's driven by greed. We don't actually need something, but we take something that's ours because it basically gives us something that we want. And so it's more about greed than it is about need. And what people will often do is they manipulate other people. They manipulate others uh, or exploit others for their own personal gain. And so what greed does is it says, you know what? I'm going to take from you. I'm going to take advantage of you so that I can build myself up. I'm going to take advantage of you so that I can build my kingdom. And that's what greed looks like. And I shared with the early service this morning uh, when Lynette and I first moved to Greenbrier, and this was 20, 25 years ago. I don't even know how long we've been here now. But we, we, we were going to build a house, and, and you know, we were kind of looking forward to, to moving to Greenbrier. I, I was from Conway. I was very skeptical. I've shared this with some of you before because when you're from Conway, basically the Catern is like the, the dividing line, and, and we don't cross the Catern to come up here, and, and we preferred y'all didn't cross the Catern to come down there and it was just you know we were all good as long as we stayed on our sides of the Catern and so when we moved to Greenbrier I was a little 
hesitant about coming here, you know, uh, and, and so, but we decided to make the move and we start building the house. And very early uh, in, our, in our move and in our relocation here, someone in Greenbrier uh, uh, took advantage of Lynette and I for several thousand dollars. And that was my, kind of my initial introduction to hometown Greenbrier, Arkansas. And, and it, was, it was one of those things to where they took advantage of me. They took advantage of a situation to, that, that would benefit them on, that, themselves, right? And, and like I said, that's, that's 25 years ago. I've, I've let it go, uh, kind of, maybe. I, I don't even know that I'm, I don't know that I'm over it. So pray for me because I still have hard feelings, <laughs> Uh, all right, but, but anyway, you know, that's, that's exactly what greed does is it, it, it causes people to manipulate situations and manipulate other, uh, uh, other people and, and all of this so that they can build themselves up and so that they can be, be greater. That's what uh, greed does. And, and what God says is, he says, I want the opposite of that to be in your heart. All right, I want you to take the opposite posture of greed in your heart, and I'm going to tell you and I want to show you what it's going to look like. I want you to look at what the Bible says about this in the book of Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 3 and 4. It says this. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. God says, I don't want you to take from other people to build yourself up. I don't want you to take from others to build your kingdom, but I want you to give to others to build them up. This is my idea for you. This is my purpose for you. This is my plan for you that you build other people up. And it's a very different perspective than the culture that we're living in right now, is it not? Is it not? I, I mean, and God says, that, you know, this is how I want your heart to be. This is what I want your heart to look like. And, and so, you know, what we have to understand, myself included, and again, I'm not trying to put you on a guilt trip or shame you because we're all on the same playing field when it comes to this. All right, uh, But all of us, our natural default, our natural reaction is to take care of me, myself, and I, and ours, right? That, that's kind of our natural default. That, that's our tendency. But, but what does God say? God says, I want to give you a new heart. I know the shape your heart is in. And he says, I want to give you a, a new heart. I want to change that in you. I want to do a work in you. I want to take that selfish nature out of you. I want to transform you. He says, I want to repair your heart. I, I want to fix it for you. He says, I don't want you to take from others to, to build yourself up, but instead, I want you to give to others to build them up. And, and so when we take a look at our heart, and we recognize and we understand, okay, I understand selfishness is my nature. By nature, I'm selfish. And it's driven by this idea of greed. God says this, wait a second. I got a cure for that. I can fix that. That's repairable. 
right? And, and not only do I think that God is, is saying, look at your heart, but I also believe that God is saying to us in and through this, and especially consistent with all of his word, that he wants us to practice generosity in our lives, okay? He, he's saying to all of us that his plan for all of us to live within the blessings that he has for us that we've been talking about all these weeks, to live within those blessings that he has for us is for us to practice generosity. And, and I believe that generosity means a couple different things in the same way we talked about stealing, being material and, and non-material. I think the same is true when it comes to generosity and being generous. You know, it, it's about being generous materially, but it's also about being generous with non-material things. It's this heart, it's this posture of us learning to give. Now, what I, what I love about this, what I love about giving, and we see this all throughout the scripture, as you study God's word, anytime you see the Bible speak of giving or speak of generosity, Excuse me. You always see it within uh, the context and the connecting point of tying it to someone's heart. You see it every time. Okay, Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, what? There your heart is also. Right? Jesus said, out of the overflow of our mouth, our heart speaks. Right? It's always a heart issue. Generosity is not about finances. Generosity is not about how much money you have or how much stuff you have. It's not about time. It's always, always, always about our heart. It's about our heart. And what God says is, is I want to do something significant in your heart. I want to do something amazing in your life that if you will allow me, if you will allow me to do it, I want to repair your heart. Folks, that's the greatest news in all the world, that he wants to fix our heart, right? I, I think of Charlie Pittman, who's down there at the heart hospital right now, and you know, they're talking about doing a procedure, to be able to repair his heart, to be able to, to, to fix his heart. And, and they know that if, if he can do this, that he'll have a better health, he'll have better quality of life, and maybe prolong his life. But as I thought about that, I thought, that is exactly what God is wanting to do in our heart. And I promise you, Charlie is down there anxiously awaiting this procedure on his heart to make him better. God is wanting to do a procedure on our hearts. Why in the world would we delay or avoid, right? This is the greatest news in all the world that the ultimate heart surgeon wants to give us a new heart, right? And, and so I believe, I believe this with everything within me that God created every single one of us, every single one of you. We talk about it a lot. He created you with a purpose. He created you with a purpose. We say it time and time again. He created you on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose. And, and so, uh, you know, our creator God, the one who thought you up, and you, you may be going, you know, man, I'm messed up. God thought you to be messed up, all right? He created you exactly the way you are. He knit you together in your mother's womb. 
And it's the same God that thought you up and created you. That same God has an amazing purpose for you in your life. He has an amazing plan for you in your life. And it's a plan that, yes, will give you fulfillment. It's a plan that will give you a sense of meaning, a sense of satisfaction, a sense of joy, a sense of happiness. And it's also so much bigger than who we are. So much bigger than who we are. But the challenge is, sometimes what happens is, is we miss the procedure. We miss the surgery. We miss this awesome opportunity uh, that, that, that God has for us, this purpose that God has for us, because we are so consumed with ourselves. We're con so consumed with me, myself, and I. And so we can't just shrink uh, to just looking at ourselves because when we do that, we're going to miss this beautiful purpose that God has for our lives, this beautiful plan, this beautiful life that he has for us, and that's why he created us, and he created you for something so much bigger than you think. He created you for something so much bigger than what you are and who you are right now. I love the way uh, that Jesus said this. He was talking about it in the gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 25. Jesus says this. He says, if you try to hang on to your life, what's going to happen? You'll lose it. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. If you, if you try to make life all about you, if you find yourself uh, consumed by your selfish desires and your kingdom... What's going to happen? He says, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose life. So, so what does he mean by that? What, what are we going to lose? Well, you lose what we've talked about earlier. You lose your sense of purpose. You lose your sense of, uh, of meaning, this sense of fulfillment. You'll lose your hope. You'll lose your joy. You'll lose your peace, this happiness, and this abundant life that his word says, I want you to have. He says, I want you to have life, and I want you to have it more abundantly. And he wasn't just saying, Steve, that's you. Frank, that's you. He's talking to all of us. He wants us to have life and have it more abundantly. The most self-centered people on this earth will never find this kind of joy. The most self-centered people on this earth will never kind find the kind of fulfillment that we can find through Jesus Christ. But look at what he goes on to say. He says, but if you give up your life for my sake, what happens? You will save it, right? If you give up your life, if you'll give up your life, if you recognize that God's purpose for your life is so much bigger than yourself, he says, you're going to save your life. So, so what is it that we save? Well, you'll save your purpose, right? You'll save your joy. You'll save your hopes. You'll save your dreams. You'll save your fulfillment. If you give up your life, what's he saying? If we will give up our life, if we will give up our heart, if we will give up our greed, if we'll give up our kingdom, if we'll give up our life, he says, then... You're going to find out what life really is. You're going to really have life then. When you get to that point, you'll see what life is really all about when you play in my sandbox. <laughs> and for those of you that have never been here before, I'm sorry you don't know what that means. 
But that's God's goodness. That's where he wants us to be. And we'll find life. Jesus said the greatest commandment is that we would love God with all our heart, right? And the way that we express that love for him is by loving other people generously. And so God says, you know, here's the plan. Here's the purpose. I don't want you to take. I want you to give. I don't want you to be takers. I, I want you to be givers because here's what I know about you. I created you, and I know that when you give, you're going to find a sense of fulfillment that you can find no other way. You're going to find life. And I want you to, to give, and there's so much purpose in that. And the truth is, every single time that, that we give a gift here at, at Greenbrier Nazarene, what, what are we really doing? We're lifting somebody else up. We're building somebody else up. You know, every time you, you give to someone with a legitimate need, what are you doing? You're lifting them up. You're encouraging them. You're building them up. But it's not just material things. It's also non-material things. And God calls on us to give people dignity. We've talked about for several weeks uh, relationships with others, and the Bible is very clear that in all of our relationships with other people, including our spouse, we must honor one another. God's way is to show honor to other people, and so we give people honor. We give people hope. We give people joy. We give people strength. That's who we are because that's who our daddy is. That's who we are. That's what we do. That's our purpose. And, and don't miss this. What we will find is when we give our life away, that's actually when we're going to find life. That's when we're going to actually find it. That is where our greatest, we find our greatest purpose and our greatest uh, meaning. I saw this quote not long ago uh, by Winston Churchill, and it said this, We make a living by what we get but we make a life by what we give. You make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. Some of you may not be Razorback fans, and that's okay. You can go to church somewhere else. But um, this past week, they've been celebrating the life. I'm kidding, by the way. If you're a guest and you're a Texas fan, we, we take all sinners. But I'm kidding. I may have, a, I've got a new neighbor that just moved in next door from Texas. And so we're, we're going to work on him. He may be here today. I hope he is. But uh, they were honoring Coach Brules. And yesterday in the celebration of Coach Brules' life, Houston Nutt uh, quoted him. And he said, Coach Brules told him this one time. He said, be a giver, not a taker. Because once you're a giver, you're a giver for life. And I thought, you know, there is a lot of truth to that. I've seen people who were generous. I've seen people who were givers. And they got it and they understood it. And they were givers for life. Because they found life through their generosity. And that's what, that's what God's uh, saying to us here. He, you know, listen, the heart of stealing 
is really all about greed. It's taking from someone else in order to build ourselves up. It's taking from someone else to to lift myself up. But God says, I want you to give of yourself to lift others up. I created you to be givers. Why? Well, because that's who God is. And remember, he gave his only son for you. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him will be saved. Listen, we give because he gave. We give because he gave. And no matter who we give to, no matter how much we give or how extravagant that looks, listen, you can never outgive God. You can never give him more than he's given you. We can never outgive him. Listen, our God is a generous God. Our God is a giving God. And we are like him and we look like him when we give and when we're generous. Listen, you don't have to. You don't have to. But you get to. To live in the blessings that he has for his children. We get to. Isn't that awesome? Before I pray this morning, I just want to tell my sweet D, we're going to miss you. Today's her last Sunday with us, I believe, and I appreciate we had about 20 people show up to help load a moving truck that David uh, Kane and Richard Snuggs and Robert Wilcox drove to North Carolina this weekend, and they're back in the sound booth asleep this morning. <laughs> but Dee is one of the most thoughtful uh, and generous people that I've met. And I'm going to miss the Snickers bars and the ice cream and all the little treats that she brings. She often thinks she does it anonymously, but I know it's her because she's the only one that does it. So I'm kidding. Love you, Dee. We're going to miss you, but God's got great plans for you. Let's pray. God, we thank you again today for your awesome love for us. We've been reminded through songs and through your word of the incredible generosity that you've shown us all. None of us are exempt from the generous gift that you gave. It's for all of humanity. And I pray that if there would be someone here today that can't find themselves in a place of being able to find life, of being able to be generous the way you've been generous to us, it it could be because they've never accepted the free gift that you've extended. And so if there's anyone here today that has never placed their faith in you and accepted you as Lord and Savior of their life, I pray that today, maybe even just now, would be a time that they would say a prayer. They would come before you and ask for forgiveness of their sins, but most importantly, to seek the life that you have for them. And that's a life in eternity in heaven. And so, God, I trust that you're doing a work today that you intended to do. I pray that we would all be open and available to it. It's easy for us to get comfortable 
and to find ourselves getting caught up in building our kingdom. I thank you for this reminder today that true life is in building your kingdom. And that's building other people up. So I pray today that all of us would allow you through your Holy Spirit to examine our hearts, our motives, and our actions. And that as we leave here today that we would be people that look like our dad. That we would be generous people. Generous in all things. In loving in forgiving, in meeting the needs of those around us, speaking an encouraging word, whatever it may be, may we be faithful and obedient to be like you. It's in Jesus' name that we ask these things. Amen.